Recovering from knee surgery is highly variable. It was going to take forever to get better if I was ever going to get better. There's got to be something out there besides a CPM machine, which and clearly isn't helping get me. Active and aggressive with this thing, or I was going to. Need you know, I'm a guy that's not looking to relieve the pain. I'm a guy that's looking to get back in the game. That downtime was not what I wanted. We've spent the last seven years perfecting the recovery system that takes variability out of knee rehab so you can quickly get back to your life. Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Okay, yay. Um, hi, this is PJ. I am the host of The Bee's Knees podcast, something that is new and wonderful, I believe at least. And uh, we are here with Chris Nowacki. Say hi, Chris. Hello, PJ. How are you? <laughs> Good. Good. And um, Chris, you are in Florida right now. Is that right? Yes, we are enjoying the good weather and the sunshine, avoiding oh, all that cold, cold, yeah. and, you know, up in New York. <laughs> no, yeah, because Chris, uh, Chris and Wally live in, well, it's, it's, it's the town of Wilson. It's right near Niagara Falls as a reference point. Um, and, but you're in sunny Florida, and we're going to talk a little bit about your husband's uh, bilateral knee replacement and why you went to such great lengths to get the X10 machine and what happened after you got the X10 machine. Uh, and I'm really glad you're here. So thanks for, for coming on board. It's, uh, it's fun to have you on, on a little chat. Oh, you're more than welcome. So let's talk about you because you have an amazing medical background, and it just adds so much to the conversation when you have uh, a lot of knowledge about various aspects of recovery. So just tell us about your own background and then we'll start talking about Wally and what happened to him. Sure. Um, well, after uh, graduating from university, I ended up working in biochemistry, immunology, nuclear medicine, and nephrology. I did five years in nephrology and and worked on cyclosporin anti-rejection drug research. And then I decided to go back to school and studied neurology. And I was a rehab specialist for severe brain injury and spinal cord. So I had a lot of uh, interest in um, how the body recovered post-injury. And then uh, what happened after I retired, my husband, who was an Olympic athlete in cycling, um, over the years, he developed uh, bilateral um, knee problems and needed surgery. And so that's how we came about to That's how we found each other. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how you found the surgeon. Let's stop before we go into Wally. What, you must have dealt with a lot of very severe injuries along the way with uh, the spinal cord uh, rehab. Is that true? Oh, yes. Yes, we, I usually had a team of about 15 specialists from neurosurgeons to neurologists, uh, neuropsychologists, plastic surgeons, um, uh, rehab specialists, OTs, PTs, uh, speech language pathologists. And uh, so we coordinated biopsychosocial and vocational needs for these people post some type of traumatic accident, be it um, snowmobile accidents, car accidents, plane accidents, 
um, or automobile accidents. So it wasn't just paralysis. It was some form of rehab to get people back to some degree of functionality, um, including speech and, and function and motion. Um, over the years, did you watch this evolve a lot, a little, as, as technology started to play a role? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Um, and especially the more we learned about um, the brain and the elasticity of the brain and people's capabilities to getting back to certain functions prior to the accident. Um, we moved along with our OTs and our PTs, but it was very difficult to find the specialties that we needed. For example, in physical therapy, um, people think a physical therapist is a physical therapist, but there are certain ones that are adept at um, you know, treating people with physical disorders, but they're not adept at uh, applying that to somebody that has neural problems and physical problems. It's a total different approach. And so in finding these people, they're like hidden gems. Uh, occupational therapists. Occupational therapists sometimes can do the general occupational therapy, but try and find one that specializes in hand therapy, for example. That is very difficult. And then try to find somebody that specializes in hand therapy and understands the neuro side of things. That is even more difficult. So um, people in general should really, really do some research in this day and age because we are inventing new apparatus all the time that can assist them in their rehabilitation, but the information isn't always easy to access. And it's up to the individual person that is helping and advocating for that patient to go out there and do their own research to find these assistive devices and to help things along. You know, it's it's interesting to hear you speak about this because we uh, focus on you know a few things, and I think that's a blessing in some ways where we can just get really good at a few things, uh, all related to knees and knee surgery and recovery. But we have had applications and usages uh, that are a little farther afield, so we've helped work with a few stroke patients, just a few handful, and we see some opportunity there because there's a in any recovery after a knee surgery, there's a neuro, they call it neuromuscular re-education, connecting the, the dots again, making the nerves function with the muscles and those, re-establishing those connections. And it's a relatively brief part of recovery, but it's a really important one. And so there's a, a little aspect just with all of our knee patients, but we, we think that there are probably, you know, ways of using our X10 machine that we haven't even tried yet for, for a variety of different conditions and um, I guess it's it's all in the future for us oh I totally agree I mean there there have been research papers written uh, where um, people with stroke can actually improve their function but it's such tedious work with the occupational therapist and the physical therapist because you have to do so much repetitive work with these patients. It's time consuming. It, it, it costs a lot of money um, to get them 
to where you want to want them to be independent and be able to function. But um, I know of one rehab specialist, he was a, a, a physician, and he was working on producing these mini modules uh, whereby he would take um, one repetitive motion, for example, uh, having a spoon in your hand and trying to just bring it up to your mouth to eat. And he would download this motion from a healthy person into a small capsule, like, like a module, and then put this bonnet on the person that was injured, along, almost like a speak and spell type unit. And then they would put this unit in with the bonnet on this injured person and it would download into their, their brain and create these neuron pathways where they would be able to do this one motion alone. Uh, nothing complex, like you couldn't teach these people to play tennis or anything, but the ability to just be able to bring a spoon to their mouth and eat again, that, was, that would be huge. Right. And yet that would, be, that would probably take three to six months depending on the patient, um, patient's inabilities and the severity of the stroke, um, just working with an occupational therapist and a physical therapist. So there are all types of research going on with respect to the brain, strokes and, and um, um, accidents with respect to um, concussions, et cetera, et cetera. And we're learning so much more now about the plasticity of the brain and how to bring back these, what they call procedural memories back forward and, and giving this person some independent abilities. So um, medicine is always changing and uh, the problem now is trying to find all the information that you need for your loved one. That is, in this day and age, it's still a major factor. I mean, I never knew about X10 therapy until I had a need to search for it. Right. And I came upon it by sheer accident, really. So let's, get, so, let's move to that. Because you, you, I, I know you did the, the searching. You did the investigation, investigative work. Um, I'm sure for the surgeon and then for the recovery methods and then choosing X10. Um, so let's talk about Wally a little bit then, your husband. Um, we're here with Chris Nowacki. Um, she's going to... Uh, take us through uh, uh, the story of uh, uh, first what went wrong, why do we need two knees to be replaced, and how'd you get there, and then we'll we'll go further into the, the surgery and recovery. So uh, how, how did he how did he end up needing this this thing? Well, he was uh, a long time ago. He was uh, a cyclist, and uh, he made it uh, to the Olympics. And what happened was um, our whole entire family is actually athletic. And as time went on, he started to age, and he turned to um, the family doctor who put him on opiates and said, try this and try that. He tried cortisone injections, and those worked temporarily. And then more years went by, and the meds caused other problems. Um, and finally, we came to a decision when he, his legs started to bow and he could no longer walk upright. He was like waddling instead of walking. And I said, you know, it's time. And, um, and so we had to make a decision whether it was going to be uh, one knee at a time or bilateral knee replacement. Mm -hmm. And how long, what's the time frame? Was it 
many years or, you know, and to that decision, before that decision? How'd you get there? Uh, well, um, I would say it was the last two years when things became critical. I mean, he was always in pain, but he was able to tolerate it one way or another. And then the last two years, he upped his pain meds. And um, when, when the doctor said it was bone on bone at that point, um, we knew it was time. And mm -hmm. that's how we went. We then had to make a decision whether it was going to be one knee or both at the same time. And we opted for both. It was late 2018 when the surgery happened, both knees. How old is Wally? 66. 66. So 66. Yeah, 66, right? So, so 65, 64, things are starting to uh, unravel in terms of real pain and increase in pain meds. And it just becomes evident that he needs them both done and you decide he's healthy enough to go ahead with two, basically. Yes. Okay. Well, we had more reasons for it. We, we, um, I did some research, and now one in four people actually opt to have both surgery, uh, both knees done at the same time. I did not and know we that. Spoke to, we spoke to a lot of um, people, including the last one I spoke to was a woman. And um, so I said to my husband, look, here are the pros and cons. If we do both, knees at the same time you go through rehab once you go through the pain the post therapy pain once you go through rehab once your chances of blood clots and any other complications such as infections once or would you prefer to do one at a time and then you have uh, problems with double the scar tissue potentially double the pain meds, double the rehab, your time for recovery. And um, also, in my research, I found that people that had one done at a time, I had comments like, I'll never have the other one done. I'll, I'll, I'll die before I get that one done, <laughs> the second one done. Or um, I had one done, I regret it because um, now I favored the, the good knee over the bad knee and I'm walking with a limp or my back went out and my hips went out as a result of my post-recovery because it was so painful and I opted to, you know, to, to favor my good knee over my bad and here I am now looking at possibly hip replacement or, um, or back surgery. And I thought, okay, so what can we do to have a good outcome here? So once our decision was made with respect to bilateral knee replacement for the above reasons, we then decided that we would put together some type of a, a pre and post rehab program. I, uh, let me jump in. That, that was so well stated, and, and it's the kind of talk that I – I think a lot of people should listen to, even if they end up going one after the other, because I am hearing a lot of one knee and then four days later, another one, or one knee and then three weeks later, another one, which sort of mystifies me. But lately, I've come across a lot of patients who are doing it that way. But I love every word that you said, because you're really minimizing, in a general sense, the impact on the body, right? Not twice do you have to do all these things, but once. 
And if indeed, and I'm a little confused on the infection rate question, I believe it's a lower chance of infection if you do them both at once versus one after the other. I think that probably makes sense, although, you know, you do have two knees and you're in the operating room longer and that kind of thing. But, you know, if, if we can give that fact out there and believe that it is a lower infection rate, which is the, one of the biggest risks for the whole procedure, um, it makes tremendous sense to do two at once. Uh, right. Was Wally a passenger on this journey or did, did he have a lot of opinions about doing, doing both at once? I, I told him he, he has to buy into this whole entire process because he's going to be in the driver's seat. He's the one that's going to have to do all the, re, the, the pre-rehab and the post-rehab. And so I said to him, how, how much do you value your time and your money for that perspective? I mean, you want a good outcome. So we're going to, now that we've decided on the surgery, we will now have to decide on the method and the process. And that's when, you know, he was totally, uh, he made the decision and then we went from there with that's respect great. to uh, the rehab. So, so he, uh, how much prehab to use a maybe a silly phrase, but prehab did he do and what did he do for prehab to prepare? We, um, I did some research and I found out that um, post knee surgery, in general, people lose approximately 30% of their strength. And so knowing that fact, I said, look, you were an athlete before. Why don't we go to the gym and it'll be good for your strengthening overall. We'll find a um, personal trainer and we'll strengthen both knees before surgery. And they'll be so strong that post-surgery, you won't lose much. And so that's what he did. He went um, five times a week to a gym, local gym, and uh, he had a personal trainer uh, probably twice a week that guided him through these uh, exercises that pertain mostly to the knees. For the post-surgery rehab, um, I started doing some investigating and I, lo and behold, I came across X10 therapy machine. Right, right. And we, at the time, I remember we, we, you, you came across us two or three weeks prior to surgery and I was like a deer in the headlights. I don't know if I have a machine <laughs> for you and what am I going to do? I know. And you, bless you, were so persistent and, you know, we're going to make this happen, PJ. We're going to figure it out. What do you got? What do you got? And we ended up being able to, you know, kind of by the hair of our chinny chin chin, get a machine to you guys. Yes. Um, yes. How about the surgeon? What, finding the surgeon, uh, that decision, was it a, a long debate? Did you have, was it obvious that he was the right one? Tell us about him. He was the right one because he had operated on my um, left ankle the one year before that. So in 2017, he operated on my left ankle, and uh, I had a very severe left ankle injury. And um, he... He actually told me that um, after 30 years of practice, I was in the top 10 of fractures for wow. him. He had never seen one so severe. And uh, anyway, um, I was walking within six weeks. And um, we 
after that, I just said to, to my husband, Wally, I said, look, he did a good job on me. Uh, let's go with him. And uh, so we did some follow-up and made sure that he had, um, had the expertise for knee surgery, and he did, and that's why we chose him. And this is, this is Donald Neno, is that right? Did yes. That? yes. Yeah. Yes. And he practices um, right in your part of the world, uh, Niagara right. Falls, north, right. northern corner, <laughs> north, northwest corner of the, the state of New York in some ways. Right. Um, okay, so that was, so, so the, is there much to say about the hospital and the surgery other than Dr. Neno did a, an awesome job and, and that kind of thing? Uh, he did an awesome job. It was great. Um, the hospital, it was like all hospitals, very, you know, understaffed. Um, I actually practically lived at the hospital for the next three, four days and made sure that um, he had all his needs attended to. But uh, hospitals are not what they used to be. There's no no time for anything. I mean, you need to be there for your loved ones and be an advocate for them. Um, everything from the nutrition in the hospital, which is really important post-surgery, uh, uh, to um, just being able to sleep. Sleep is important post-surgery. And in a hospital setting, <laughs> it's very difficult to sleep, um, especially if you're across from the nurse's station and all those bells are going all the time. And all the time. somebody's Absolutely. always needing something. And it's just, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. And we were, I mean, I was constantly trying to get this machine, the X10 therapy machine. So he, he had his surgery on the, on the 12th of December, and lo and behold, we had this Christmas present delivered, the X10 therapy <laughs> machine, on December the 22nd, and he, he, he couldn't say enough about it. The, um, boy, you're so right about the hospital and just getting out, getting out as fast as you can, and, and, what, and I understand why, but there are so many who go to uh, a facility, uh, an inpatient facility, and it might be seven, it might be 14 days if insurance will cover it. And it's more hospital time. And it, you know, it's, it, I just, uh, I know that uh, oftentimes they're like, they think it's the best route and they don't have anyone at home to look over them. And they, they did two knees at once. And these are all good reasons. And I can't fight, you know, fight everybody on this one. But I often, I know that most of them are really ready to leave that setting, you know, within four or five days, not the prescribed seven to 14 or whatever it may be. So. Absolutely, and we had we had that <clears throat> our insurance would have covered um, seven days of um, in-house therapy post-surgery. However, we opted against it because, again, in doing some investigations of the rehab facilities in our area, there was one that was very good. The others weren't rated highly at all. Um, I spoke to a friend of mine that went to one, and she had wished that she had never done it. She had one knee replaced, and it, she said that her scar tissue developed. She didn't have the physical therapy that she needed because they were so understaffed. And, um, again, the probability of infection is there. You're in a germ environment. You're not in, a, in your own environment. You're, she couldn't sleep. She said it was constantly noisy. Uh, the you know nurses were um, 
some of the nurses ended up calling in sick that one night. The nurse came in and she said to her, um, you're not going to get this, this, or this tonight. And here's patients that are just recovering. They need assistance even getting to the bathroom. And how do you do that? So there's a lot of decisions that need to be made in these critical um, times. And what you have to do is sit down as a family and decide who can give up their time and where is the best place for this person to recover and how. And it's a real process. And we went through this, I mean, we had probably a good six weeks to get all this together. And, um, and then we made our decision as to um, whether we were going home or to inpatient therapy. We made that decision probably a week before um, we got the X10 therapy machine. Mm-hmm. Let me because be so pedestrian. that was our other choice. If we right. didn't get the X10 therapy machine, that's what we were going to do. Right. But only if we could get into that five-star rehab program. Well, you know, it's uh, and I, it's interesting because I I do with the X10 at home. Your big concerns over getting good rehab go away, particularly if you've got you know support like you provided for your husband, and then you don't have those other concerns, uh, MRSA and all the other things that can go wrong in in those settings. Um, let me be so pedestrian as to bring up dollars and cents because. Uh, those inpatient facilities charge the insurance companies amazing amounts of money. Uh, a thousand a night is not uncommon. And so the insurance company was very happy with you, by the way. You may not, never get a thank you note from them. I don't think you oh, will. Yes. But they were really happy you decided not to go into that facility. Right. That's, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It adds a lot it's, to the, um, that. Well, world. you figured they have a lot of staff, right, that they have to cover. They provide meals. They they have um, nursing assistants. They have occupational therapists. They have physical therapists on staff. Somebody has to pay for all of that. Right, right. So, so yeah, it's – and you know what? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. You can sleep in the comfort of your own bed. You're surrounded by, your, by people that you know. There's nobody disturbing you. Um, infinitum as you know to take your blood pressure or your temperature or whatever the case and it's so important to have sleep while you're recovering and to eat I mean Mm. food is so important post-surgery and there's actually studies out there that show that the longer you stay in hospital the more malnourished you become wow wow well, everybody wants you out of the hospital. You do, the <laughs> hospital does, the insurance company does. I mean, it's just, it's a cost thing. It's a care thing. It's a, uh, you know, they're doing knee replacement now as an outpatient basis, you know, the, within 24 hours, you're home and um, mm-hmm. in, in some settings. But in this case, um, you were there for three or four days, was it, in the hospital? We were there for three days, yes. Three days. Okay. Three days, you're home. I uh, come out, you know, within a week or so, a little longer, to the house with the X10 machine that we just were able to get, uh, make available, and you know, with our, you know, little operation, and um, and you were in a great setting. It was very flat, you know, it's a comfortable, warm, and we had a great place for the machine. 
Um, but I guess before we get into the recovery itself, you you did you know you did decide you know pretty quickly that you wanted it. Why? What was appealing? You know, a how'd you find this, and, and b why did you why were you so incredibly committed to getting the sex ten for Wally? Basically, I was searching for some type of physio, physical therapy program for him. And I was searching the internet and ended up with bilateral knee replacement, recovery, rehab. I, I put all this into the, these um, key search words in, and I found X10 therapy. And I thought, well, what can this possibly be? And then I read about Dr. Halley, the orthopedic surgeon who invented this machine along with uh, Mr. Ewing, your, your dad. Right. And so I, I went back and, and researched uh, Dr. Halley's background and um, it caught my eye because some of the testimonials uh, mentioned how speedy of a recovery they had. And I thought, is this possible? Like, because I'm familiar with CPM machines from way back and um, I know uh, Dr. Salter did a lot of um, uh, research in that regard. Um, he actually he's written many orthopedic books. He's out of uh, he's he was a practicing orthopedic surgeon out of Toronto. And uh, so anyway, I I got out some of my old books, reviewed CPMs, and then I reviewed compared your machine to it. Looked at some of the stats and. Um, it was similar yet different from a CPM machine, and I was really interested in the fact that it helped to break down scar tissue because scar tissue and edema are the two enemies post-surgery. Um, um, and I knew that if we could keep the scar tissue from forming, that his recovery would be that much quicker. And that was also from my background and, and experience in working with people post-serious injuries from before. They would have frozen shoulders, frozen knees, and they'd have to go back under manipulation to, to you know, to get rid of the, the scar tissue and stretch that arm or leg back out into full flexion and extension. And so I thought, geez, a machine that could prevent this scar tissue and help with the edema at the same time and strengthen I'm really interested. And then I did some more research, looked at some more of the literature, um, went back and reviewed some of the testimonials of uh, orthopedic surgeons that you had online, and I, I, I wanted the machine. I, I absolutely wanted it. And once we got it and Wally started on it, it was like he keeps saying, he says, this was the best Christmas present ever, Chris. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing all this research and finding this, because, and he can't say enough about it. It was a it was a really remarkable recovery. It was you know I, I did come over and deliver and set up and then uh, off you were and it was it was sort of just as expected. I mean I, the, the recovery on both legs was fast. You know it did, did not cause pain from what I understand from your reporting. And you embrace the machine yourself, so you know how that thing knew how that thing worked just as well as Wally did, and he was on it uh, with great frequency. Um, so it was, you know, it was sort of as advertised, really a, a pretty fast, pretty complete recovery from what I from what I could see. It was 
beyond what I expected. I thought, okay, probably two months or whatever. That's, that was sort of my ballpark of expectation. But here's what happened. He had five in-home physiotherapy sessions through Visiting Nurses Association. So he starts on, we got the machine on the 22nd of December. And the week before that, he would have had three visits and then two more visits. And then the machine came on the, uh, on the fifth visit from uh, VNA. And then after five visits, um, he started using the X10 therapy machine for 18 days. At the two-week mark, he had already had um, 105 and 108 degrees of flexion in the left and right knee, respectively. And then in follow-up with his surgeon at the two-week mark, his surgeon says, no more formal physical therapy. I said, excuse me? You don't want him going to outpatient physical therapy? He said, no, I'm releasing him to a gym program. He can go back to the gym where you initially started prior to surgery and just start doing exercises. I said, any limitations? He said, just make sure that both feet are on the ground um, or on the machine at all times, whatever machine you're using. And he said, let pain be your guide. At the three-week mark, he was driving, and he had zero extension and 128 degrees of flexion. And then um, he was released at the six-week mark. He was re- released to travel to Florida and drive. We drove to Florida. <laughs> you know, that's that's back to life. I mean, that's a long drive, and uh, oh, driving it is was a... Un- yeah. Unbelievable. And he had no pain meds after, uh, after two weeks. He was totally off all pain meds. See, that's the other so. part that, that's important to, re- to reference because it may be that physically you can bend, but, you know, do you have the strength to push brake pedals and gas pedals and be persistent with that, that demand on, on the knee? And, of course, are you, is your mind, uncl- mind unclouded by any pain meds? Uh, issue exactly and, and you can't you could be you could bend all you want but if you're still taking <laughs> right you know hydrocodone you're 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 not going right. to be driving anywhere so no uh, absolutely and uh and so he was he was able to recover in the comfort of his home saving on time and money i mean it was winter i didn't have to bundle him up try to get him over to the car drive to a physical therapy session someplace and then um, when the physical therapist did come in to the house for those five sessions and they manipulated his leg, he winced like no tomorrow. And he kept saying, he says, look, there's a limitation as to how much I can move this leg, right? But how do they know? And yet sitting on the X10 therapy machine, I kept saying, are you in pain at all? I mean, he'd be there for an hour at a time. And he'd, he would either, you know, um, listen to music or he'd um, read something or he would be on his, his phone making phone calls. And I said, are you in pain? He says, no, I'm not in pain. That's, he says, I, I, I'm moving and every day I'm increasing the range of motion, but it's, there's no pain, Chris. And I said, well, this is incredible. 
And um, so we were more than delighted with his progress and, um, and more so with the fact that we had a coach. Um, anytime we had a question, we would just call in to yourself and uh, we, we had answers. Yeah. And um, we, had, we weren't alone in this process. That was the big thing. We always had support, which was, was really, really nice. And um, um, we can't say enough about the whole experience. It was really great. absolutely delightful from beginning to end. Wow. So that would be a great podcast right there. Happy people in Florida. Well, I'm freezing my <laughs> fanny off in New York still. And, but wait, there's more, Chris. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? There's a friend of yours, and there's a lady that also got on the exit. We got to talk about her, right? There's, a, there's oh, another yeah. story here. So, so friends at home listening to our lovely podcast, there's kind of another, you know, addendum to this story with uh, a friend, and I don't want to ruin it. So, why don't you just tell? It's a, her name is Barb, and she jumped on that machine also while you had it. Yes. So we we have Barb, and she had. Um, Three months prior to Wally's surgery, she had undergone um, right knee replacement. So Barb was in uh, physical therapy, outpatient physical therapy at the three-month mark. Uh, she, had, um, she was going to the swimming pool twice a week, and she was in the gym. So a lot of post-surgical recovery going on, and three months post, she was only at 95 degrees of flexion. And the surgeon was indicating to her that she would probably have to go under manual manipulation. So in speaking to her, I said, Barb, we still have the machine. Um, If you don't care how we look, we don't care (laughs) whether you're wearing your pajamas or whatever, come on down. And when Wally's not on the machine, you can come and use the machine because PJ said that it was okay. And so she came down and used the machine twice a day uh, for approximately um, an hour to an hour and 15 minutes each time for the next four days. And she went from 95 degrees of flexion to 115 degrees of flexion. And her physical therapist's eyes just popped. And Barb says, nobody could believe that that's what happened. On top of that, I said to Barb, "Um, did did you feel any pain as you went from 95 to 115? She says, Chris, that is, it was remarkable. That is the whole key to it. She says, I felt no pain whatsoever. And so now um, Barb's a happy camper. She, um, she avoided the, the manipulation, and she's, she's driving. She's doing all her activities of daily living. In fact, she's taking care of um, another friend of ours who's, who's very ill and, and battling cancer right now. Wow. Good for her. But, uh, yeah, but Barb, Barb was amazed, and that was just in four days. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, I know we chatted about that at the time, and I was so excited. Uh, you know, we have so few machines in early 2019 still, you know, and the fact that, you know, two people got a chance to do this and uh, recover, and I was, uh, 
I was really thrilled. That's a, this is a supersized podcast, Chris. Thanks to you. Oh. Um. <laughs> You're more than welcome. You're more yeah. than welcome. We can't well. say enough about it. Um, I mean, your whole, your staff and you are, are amazing. I know that you're going to be able to help a lot of people out there. It's just a matter of getting those machines built and getting them right. out there. Yeah. Um, and I wish you all the best with it because I know it's, it's something that is very, um, very important for people to, to, to know about and uh, to help them along with recovery. Because um, if, if you can get somebody back to doing their activities of daily living with a minimal to no pain and, and get them off opiates, that is huge. That is just incredible. I mean, Wally's doing 600 stairs at the, at the gym now. He's, he's riding a bicycle for half an hour. He's using the rowing machine. He's off meds completely. He's swimming. He's driving, and he's returned back to work. So and, now and I'm you know, to get him to do all those things that he couldn't do before <laughs> around the house. <laughs> right. This will be a busy summer on the, the Lake Ontario, on the coastline yes. in your houses, uh, for all those yeah. guests that you have. Um, that in the end, we've gone through all the mechanics and this wonderful stuff, but that's what now total knee replacement and bilateral total knee replacement is promising all of us. Whatever, how, whatever reason we had to get these knees done with weight or activity or being a you know, cyclist in the Olympics like your husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's reasons we ended up living these wonderful lives sitting there at 65, six years old saying we need two new knees. But Wally is like the poster child of getting back to a very active life. And you haven't even gotten out of winter yet. I mean, I guess you're in Florida, so he's doing all this stuff in the sun, but wait till you see spring and summer back at home. And, you know, he's going to be a, a 10 year, 15 year younger guy because of this. I think. Yes. Yeah. So. And, um, and they're supposed to last between 30 and 35 years now. So he's going to get a lot of wear out of them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris, for this uh, really terrific interview. Uh, I, I, I know you didn't have to do it, but you did it out of love and friendship and support. And I, I just, thanks, thanks for, for being there for us. Oh, well, thank you. Do you have a knee surgery coming up? If so, you're invited to subscribe to Prehab and Pre-Surgery, an email series designed to prepare you for knee surgery. We have strength and range of motion exercises, interviews with medical professionals, worksheets, and other preparatory materials ready for you that we're sure you will love. To sign up, visit x10therapy.com. There you will see a banner at the bottom of the page for our surgery preparation email series. For those who are having a tough recovery from knee surgery right now, again, visit x10therapy.com where you will see another banner at the bottom of the page for our knee recovery email series. Learn the hows and whys of scar tissue. Get detailed help on reducing swelling with ice and elevation. Hear from clinical experts about how you can get your recovery back on track. Both email series are completely free. Both are designed to help you achieve the best knee surgery recovery possible. And both can be found, once again, at x10therapy.com.
I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, host of two-time Podcast Awards nominated A Doctor's Perspective podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone or visit adoctorsperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen. To learn more, visit x10therapy.com, 1-855-910-5633. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. X10, back to full strength.